Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Boss. Really lovely to see you, and um, thank you, friends, who came for Ben's dedication. It's really special. Um, so, yeah, we're landing our series called What Three Words? Um, and for you, th- those of you who, who haven't been around, we've, we've been talking about it for a while, but um, you might not know, What Three Words is an app um, about uh, they've divided the world into three-meter square cubes and given them three random words, and those three random words let you know where, exactly where you are. Now, um, this series, the hope was that as we uh, um, get, uh, get digging into three-word uh, th- three phrases in the scriptures, um, the Lord would help us know where we are, because um, it's a really good question to, to ask yourself. So I'm doing the last one of the series, and my three words are in Jesus' name. So I am going to pray, as Nick says, because it's important. So Lord Jesus... Yeah, fill us this day, this day with your spirit. Help us to, um, to hear your word and to, um, to understand better who you are and who we are with you. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to read John 14. That's, that's our, main, our main passage this, this morning. Um, so let's turn there together. Um, John 14. And this is just before um, Jesus is crucified. Um, it might have been during the Last Supper that he told, told his disciples these things. Um, but so John 13 through 16 is quite a profound um, set of teachings that Jesus gave his disciples. We'll read from verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you will know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do what Ever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may, ask, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now that's an incredible promise, isn't it? That if you ask for anything in Jesus' name, he will do it. So what does it mean when we say in Jesus' name? So I was thinking about this, and there's sort of two extremes you can use it sort of as an incantation, like the Christian version of abracadabra. In Jesus' name, you can get this thing. Um, but didn't really think that that was quite the, quite the, the, the thing. The other thing that is sort of, a, it's an overextension to, to use it as a, 
almost like a magic, magic words. Um, the other thing that we, we sometimes do with the, the phrase, in Jesus' name, is we just tack it on. It's the Christian way to end a prayer. It doesn't really mean much. It's just, you know the prayer is over when somebody says, in Jesus' name, amen. Here you go. All done. We've done it right. And if you've been in Christian circles long enough, that's how we do it. But Jesus told us to pray in his name. So surely there's a way to do it. And it's not just a, this is a way to end a prayer. Um, so the question I'm sort of posing today is, what does it mean? And if Jesus told us to do it, how do we do it properly? Um, and I think we'll start with the whole idea of what, what, are, what are names? Names are significant. Now, we chose Benedict's name because Benedict means blessing. Um, and we chose Samuel because Samuel means God hears us. So we trust that, that Benedict will be a blessing to us as, as a family, to you as a church, and to the world. But we also, we know that we are blessed because God hears us. Because it's not Benedict who is the blessing, it is God hearing us and God working through us that's the blessing. And the same thing with John. John's name means God is gracious. And I really felt that for, for John, that God was gracious. God was gracious through the pregnancy. He was gracious through the delivery. God is going to be gracious through John's life. And Gary was like very radical. He loves the name Phoenix. And I thought, oh, gee, I can't name my kid Phoenix. Oh, that's just too, that's just too weird. That's too, like, out there. But actually, it grew on me because Phoenix is the symbol of resurrection. And that is what God is gracious in. He raised Jesus to life on the third day. And just like the phoenix comes from ashes and is raised to life, God brings us out of sinfulness and raises us to resurrection life with him. So those are the names of our boys, and we chose them because we believe that names are significant. Now Jesus is a variation of Joshua, and Joshua means... Yahweh is salvation. Now, how powerful is that? God is our salvation, and Jesus is the, the absolute epitome of that. Through him, we, we get our salvation. But Jesus has many names. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the Prince of Peace. He gives us peace. He's the Good Shepherd. He takes care of us. He's the vine. He calls himself the son of man. He is the lamb of God. And all of these names reflect certain attributes and characteristics of who he is. And when we call upon his name, we call upon and claim all of his titles. Now I'm going to read from Revelation. This is really interesting. Revelation 19, 11 to 13. It says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. 
He is dressed in a robe dipped with blood, and his name is the Word of God. So Jesus is the very Word of God. And so when we, when we call on his name, when we say, in Jesus' name, we reach into all those things, all, that aspe- all those aspects of who he is. And just like adoption, when somebody is adopted into a family, they take on the name of that family. It is a gift of being part of that family. It's not self-proclaimed. We don't say, we can do this in Jesus' name and it's all about me. But God has called us into his family. He has made us sons and daughters. And so we can call on his name. Now the first um, instance of of calling on the name of the Lord is all the way back in Genesis. Genesis 4.26. And it's a list of names. Now the Bible is full of lists of names and sometimes they're a bit of a pain um, because almost all the names are impronounceable. So I'm not going to read the list. I'm just going to read this little sentence that comes in the middle of the list. And it says, At that time, this is Genesis 4.26, At that time people began to call on the name of the Lord. So there's a moment in history where people began to call on the name of the Lord. And it's interesting, the the person who was named just before that, his name was Enosh. And Enosh means vulnerable or frail. So at that moment when we realized our frailty before God, we came to him to call on him. And to call on the name, (laughs) it literally means to call out. And the thing, first thing that popped into my mind was what my kids do. Mummy! Mummy! Mummy, I've done a poo! I'm like, thanks, John. <laughs> I needed to know that. <laughs> Wipe your bottom then, please. Um, it's to call out. And as kids, you know, we, we, kids are very, there's no, no guile with them. They just, they are who they are. And I think that's what God wants us to, to be like. To call on him. When we've done something big, when we've done something little, when we need something big, when we need something small, call on him. Talk to him. And to call on him has this layer of meaning. It means to worship. The, the, throughout the Old Testament, the patriarchs called on the name of the Lord and they built an altar. It was, it was part of the way they worshipped God. Um, and it's interesting that... From the Old Testament to the New Testament, the phrase to call on the name of shifts. It's no longer call on the name of the Lord, but it's call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Colossians, sorry, 1 Corinthians, um, it says, To the church in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you, church, are people who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm still sort of thinking, what what does it mean? What does it mean to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or to do things in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus? And so I'm going to read Romans 10, verses 8 to 13, and maybe this will give us a hint. But what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. 
That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference, sorry, as the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There is the same Lord, the same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So to call on the name of the Lord is to come to him with the knowledge that he can save us. And it's interesting because what's changed between the Old and the New Testament isn't God. God hasn't changed. We still worship him, but our position has changed. There's a moment when um, Jesus died, the veil tore. So I've got a picture of a, of a guy behind a curtain. It's kind of that idea that we're there and we have access now. The curtain is, is parted. We can go to God the Father. And it's, it's exactly what Jesus was telling his disciples. Now you know me, therefore you know the Father. And you have access to the Father. And it's because we have access to the Father that we can pray things in Jesus' name and the Father will give it to us. Jesus talks about this in John 16, from verse 19. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while you will see me. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of the joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now your time of grief, now is your time of grief, but you will see you but I will see you again and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me for anything. Very truly, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. It's really interesting. He says, we, almost, we don't ask Jesus, we ask the Father in Jesus' name. It's that access. Our position has changed. So the promise in John 14, 12 to 14, I think it's there on, in the scripture, some, in the passage somewhere. He says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Anything? Does that mean anything? 
I'm going to be a bit radical and say, yes, anything. Because that's what Jesus said, anything. But I think it's not an incantation. You can't say, Lord Jesus, send me a Porsche in Jesus' name. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not the point, right? When we come in Jesus' name, we position our hearts before him. And if we look again, it says, ask in his name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So the things we ask for should give glory to the Father. And I think if you have a relationship with Father God, you want to do things that that will make him look great because you think he is great. You love him. So when you position your heart before the Lord and ask anything, he will be glorified. There's another passage in 1 John 5 that I think is important to, to meditate on as well in this context. 1 John 5, from verse 13, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. If you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, he, we know that we have, we have what we ask of him. So when you come in his name, we come to give him glory and we come in submission to his will. Um, and in some sense, if you think about the Lord's Prayer, it's kind of an order of operations. We come to our Father who we have relationship with. And we give him praise. We honor his name. Holy is your name. Then we submit to his rule. Your kingdom come. And your will be done. And then... We can ask for anything. He provides the provision. Give us our daily bread. So if you have those two, if you position your heart so that you have those two things in mind, to give him glory and to submit to his will, you can ask him anything. And I think the way that things give God glory, it reminded me of a story of when Peter and John went to pray one day. Now, when I was in Sunday school, there was a song with that. You know, so <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read the story. Oh. <laughs> so um, Acts 3 from verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple, temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. 
Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. That's the power of prayer in Jesus' name. It causes people who cannot walk to walk and leap and praise God. Now, it's so interesting that following this encounter, um, the religious leaders were like, hmm, what's going on with this? Hmm, this is, this is, this is fishy. So they, they get Peter and John before them and they ask them some questions. And I think the slide that's got that um, from Acts 4 is, I've got some highlights there that I think will help us. So the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? So they knew there was power in, in a name. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Very specific. It's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but God raised from the dead. That, is this, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for by, there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we may be saved. So the healing was one thing, but salvation is another. And in some sense, that's the greater miracle. The Pharisees knew there was power in the name of Jesus from this testimony. And they also were told in no uncertain terms that this is where salvation comes. It's interesting because this is post-Pentecost, almost immediately after. And so Jesus promised a helper. And I think when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus, we ask the Father in Jesus' name, and he can give us anything. But that is because there's a relationship with the Father and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. In some sense, the power and authority is sanctioned. It's legitimate. It's like if you go up to somebody and say, I want to search your house. They'd be like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> go away, you weird person. I can't search my house. But if the policeman came to you and said, I've got this warrant... In the name of the law, I need to search your house. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Hope you won't find anything, but yes, go ahead. The power and authority is sanctioned and legitimate. And there's another instance in the, in, in the New Testament in Acts where somebody tried to, to pray in the name of Jesus, and it didn't turn out so good. Let me read there. Um, read in Acts 19... And this is, this is during the time where Paul was preaching. And um, we'll read from verse um, 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illness, illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say... In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. 
One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Not a good day. Yeah, Nick, you're right. Not a good day. They had tried to invoke the name of the Lord without the relationship with the Father, without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. They did not have legitimate power and authority. And yet... The evil spirit did talk with them. It's interesting because <laughs> I don't think there is a, that, that situation is a, a situation of no hope. I think the seven sons of Sceva probably went away and thought about it. Because something similar had happened when Jesus was around. In Mark 9, um, his disciples come to him and say, Jesus, Jesus, there's people preaching or casting out demons in your name, and Jesus said, leave them, because no one can do a miracle in my name. Let me actually read it, otherwise I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> Don't stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name um, because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. I think the starting point of knowing that there's power in the name of Jesus can lead you to the point of relationship with the Father and further empowering with the Spirit. So in summary, what is this in the name of Jesus? It's not a magic incantation. It's not liturgy. But names are significant. Through Jesus' name, we are adopted, we are saved, and we have a position before the Father. We have a relationship. So when we pray in Jesus' name, we orient our hearts towards him in submission for his glory, and we are given authority. And you know what our encouragement is, church? Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17. Whatever you do, so whether that's for fun, for work, for learning, for your health, for people alone, together, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And if we do that, it's the whole Godhead living and moving through us. Because if we do that, we are under Jesus' authority. We work in the Holy Spirit's power, through God's grace, and for the Father's glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can come to the Father in your name. Thank you, Father, that you adopted us as sons because of what Jesus did. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us once more to live a life worthy of your calling and help us to do all that we do in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.
We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.